right, welcome back. Yeah, it's been a while. Episode eight of the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Podcast. Yeah, I know, I know, it's been too long. A couple of weeks now, I think, right? Something like that, yeah, for, for sure, like a couple of weeks. Um, we've, uh, we're actually, if you're listening to the podcast, on one of the major podcast platforms. Um, we're actually, on this episode, I'm experimenting. I'm kind of kicking the tires on actually replicating this on YouTube. So if you're wanting to look behind the scenes and see what I look like doing all these silly shenanigans, uh, then definitely go to the YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash ketogenic bodybuilding. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel. And if you're watching, please hit that subscribe button, hit that little notification bell. So you'll always be in the know when we upload something new because my goal now, if you like this, if you like the YouTube thing along with the audio version, and then hell, I'll keep doing it. Why not, right? So uh, the, the one benefit is that I can throw up some occasional references and visuals. And, you know, if, I, if I'm talking about a particular thing and I want to give that visual reference, you can have that. So uh, either way you want to experience this, if, uh, if you're one of the, the, the people out there that actually enjoy this podcast, then now you've got another option on YouTube and hopefully it translates well. So why anybody would want to sit there and stare at me talk, I have no idea, but here I am. So hope you enjoy episode eight. I'll be honest with you. What kept me out of the loop. And first, let me, let me go ahead and give some shout outs here and thank yous. Um, it's very humbling that I have received, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to, I'm going to be extremely honest. I've probably, if, if I had to guess off the top of my head, about a dozen now, that's not Joe Rogan numbers, but I've got about a dozen people who actually took the time out of their day to, you know, create an email and send it to me saying, where's the podcast? We missed the podcast. Where's episode eight? What the hell? Uh, you know, get off your ass and do the podcast. And that meant so much to me that people actually not only enjoy it, but literally look forward to this. And uh, so it's, it's really, really humbling and exciting to know that it's something that you want. And uh, so that really motivates me to try to actually make this, you know, worthy of something you'd want to continue to listen to week after week. And now if you so choose to do so, you can actually uh, watch the whole thing unfold on YouTube. And hopefully that experience will get better as we go to because, um, the last couple of weeks, though, once we decided to, to transition the podcast over to YouTube, I had to, you know, I had to clean up this office a little bit. So if you're watching, you know, I had to my office was a shithole. I had freaking cables and wires and cords and microphones and, and stuff everywhere. And, you know, I had to dust off my camera and, you know, get the lighting right. And, you know, because you got to, you know, look somewhat like, you know, what the hell you're doing if you're producing a YouTube uh, channel, you know, producing that content. So. It took me, you know, a week or so within my insanely busy schedule dealing with clients and uh, the ins and outs of uh, working in the trenches of my gym uh, to get everything right so I could replicate this on YouTube. So here we are. So hopefully this goes well. Um, I don't really have a lot to discuss today on episode eight because I've been so busy, uh, you know, uh, working with new clients, which has been fantastic. Uh, my online 
uh, coaching has exploded. And to all of you out there listening that have become an online client, thank you. Uh, you'll never know how much it means to me. And I'm so excited to be working with you to all my online clients that I work with. Thank you. And if you're one of my in the gym clients and you're listening to, you know, you know, I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you for all your support, especially through easily one of the most, you know, chaotic, crazy ass years of my lifetime and probably many out there as well. So thanks for hanging in and thank you for your support. So, uh, for all of you out there, you're awesome. Thank you so much. So, so today, um, I basically just wanted to kind of wing it and thank God for members of the ketogenic bodybuilding, um, Facebook group and to, you know, some of my, uh, followers on Instagram. And if you are interested, you can follow me on Instagram at the real Rob Goodwin. Please give me a follow on Instagram. And, um, if you're not a member of the ketogenic bodybuilding Facebook group, check us out and, uh, you know, join the group. One of my lovely and talented admins will get you approved promptly. So, and then you can be part of the Island of Misfit Toys. That is the ketogenic bodybuilding Facebook group, because we are unique. And I talk about that a lot. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that uniqueness today and maybe not allowing that uniqueness to get taken too far and, and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how in, in the keto world and that low carb world, you know, there's a lot of gurus and what we even what I would even call keto zealots out there that um, they're part of what I am now referring to uh, as part of the new fitness cancel culture. OK, and some of this has to do with if you listen to episode seven, um, I took the first hour and we talked about. Um, that particular cancel culture thing, one element of it. And what I mean by that is, is I'd really like to get to the point where, you know, we can really focus more on what we have in common and come up with, uh, you know, a good, you know, engaging discourse and conversation and, 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 and dig into some things without somebody always chiming in and being a part of this new cancel culture, meaning, well, I'll give you some examples. Um, some very quick, and, and I don't want to dwell on this. I don't want to take this negative. I don't want to take this too negative. And we, I tried not to make it negative last week. We talked about the, the argument of volume versus intensity. You know, you got this, the, the higher volume training people out there. Then, you know, there's the lower volume, higher intensity training crowd out there. And whatever group that you belong to, whatever you subscribe to, whatever ideology blows your skirt up, hey man, I'm cool with that. And the point was, if you're digging it, run with it. And to take that a step further, let me qualify that statement a little bit to, to be serious just for a second. If you are training hard and you are dieting hard and you have a particular goal in mind of how you want your physique to look, uh, and in your heart and soul, you are thinking to yourself, there's really not much more I can do to improve on what I'm doing to change my body. The course that I'm on in, in your heart and soul is, you know, without a doubt in your mind, the absolute best course for you, for your goals, for your genetics. And if that's the case, I don't care what it is. 
I don't care what it is. I want you to keep doing it. If you're happy with it, cool. If you maybe think some improvements could be made, maybe you're looking for a spark or a different point of view or a different ideology, then, hey, we can entertain that as well. Maybe you can, you know, take a detour off what you've been doing and go through a a little cycle of something new, a different kind of training approach, a different type of nutrition approach. It could be something as simple as adding some carbohydrates into your program time properly. We're going to talk about that a little bit today as well. Um, but my point is, is I don't want to, you know, I'm tired of this, my way or the highway, my way is absolute and your way is wrong mentality. You, you know, you don't come into my group you don't invade my space and with some, you know, air of superiority like you are God and what you do is the be, end, you know, be all end all way of doing things and to entertain any other concept or ideology would be batshit. You know, just don't bring that here. Instead, there will be cases where we will agree to disagree. Maybe we can entertain certain aspects of a viewpoint that we are discussing and compliment each other on, you know, that, you know, intelligent conversation and, you know, raising particular arguments that perhaps maybe we haven't entertained before and adding that to our, our repertoire, so to speak. So that needs to be the way it's entertained. So my goal, again, with, you know, having a little bit of fun on episode seven with, you know, a particular person who kind of invaded the, the, you know, the airspace basically to say what I'm doing is complete and utter total bullshit. And what he is doing is the absolute only way. Well, that's intellectually dishonest and completely ludicrous, completely out of the gate. So I'm never going to tell somebody you're completely wrong unless there's just what they say is just utter completely ridiculous. But if you're say, Hey, I like to work out for three hours in the gym. I like to do 50 sets per body part. And what I'm doing is working so incredibly well for me. I would never even dream of doing anything different Then I'm going to say to you, congratulations, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Don't change a thing. And you know, if what, if that works for you, then I applaud that. That doesn't work well for me because I've tried it. I've been down that road and what I do do, I think, I truly do think, and I truly believe works the best for me. And maybe it's, you know, partly, you know, uh, to the fact that I've been experimenting on my own physique for nearly three decades. And I've had the unique honor and privilege of working with thousands of unique individuals in the trenches of the gym floor for, you know, two and a half decades. You learn a few things when you do that. So, you know, I, I entertain all ideas, especially, you know, in our social media interactions, or if you want to shoot me an email or leave a comment on this YouTube or, or a comment on the podcast, that's fine. I would love to hear your point of view, but don't walk in with this cancer culture bullshit and say, what I believe is the only way. And if I don't like your way, I'm canceling that shit out. And I'm telling everybody that it's, that it's false. And so well, let's have some fun examples with that. And because, and, and what I'm going to throw at you have, have all 100% happened, uh, over the course of, you know, many, many years dealing with people, you know, the keyboard Carl's out there, you know, pecking away behind their computers and their mom's basement 
And, uh, you know, the first thing they want to do when they see something, you know, posted online is pick it apart and, you know, come out and be part of the troll network and, you know, show their vast superiority. Well, that doesn't fly with me. You know, if you want to, again, engage in some intelligent conversation, fine. But you don't come out of the you come oozing out of the woodwork and start slinging your bullshit at me unless you have something, if you can really back it up and, and raise an argument. And then I will say, huh, that's interesting viewpoint. I will, you know, I will entertain that or I will consider that or I hadn't thought of that before. Or I may say, you know what, that's a fantastic point. And I've actually worked with that ideology. It doesn't really work for me, but I could understand how it might work for some. And then we can just agree to disagree and have some fun with it and still be friends. Right. So that's the way I want to approach that. So, um, but part of that, uh, sorry to get a drink, part of that cancel culture thing that I'm talking about is I've, I've literally, um, maybe put up a video of a workout that I was doing or an, an exercise, you know, I'll throw up a clip on Instagram or maybe, you know, or whatever on the Facebook group or, or what have you on the a YouTube channel of me doing an exercise or a series of exercises or an actual, you know, workout or whatever. And instead of somebody saying, Hey, cool workout. Oh, thanks for that. Or whatever you know, you get that one guy or that one girl that pops up and says, oh, you're doing a leg press. You should never do a leg press. That's crazy. They don't work. I've literally had people say that. I've literally had people say, and, and I've mentioned this on the podcast already, oh, Smith machines, they absolutely do not work. If you're not using a barbell, then you're not going to get results and grow muscle. Hmm. Okay. Well, we've already been down that road. I don't need to crawl down it any further. Um, I've literally had people, you know, on that same leg press video say to me, why do you wrap your knees? Cause there was a particular video where I had some knee wraps on because there are times when I go very, very heavy or very high intensity on a several sets of intense leg presses. I, I like to have some compression on my knees. It works for me. It makes my knees feel better. Okay. So I do that. If you don't like to do that, that's fine. Then don't do that. But don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And, you know, the same, same thing comes for like a lifting belt. You know, I've, I've had myself and other members of the groups, you know, have a picture of themselves with a belt on while doing a set of heavy squats. And then you get somebody that oozes out of the woodwork to say, don't wear belts. Well, hey, man, if wearing a belt works for him or her, or if wearing a belt works for me on that last set of heavy squats, and if I feel better and more stable with it, then leave me alone. It's none of your damn business. Move along scroll along, nothing to see here for you. It's none of your damn business because you're certainly not going to come up with some hard, you know, uh, uh, cutting edge evidence that's going to convince me that me wearing a lifting belt or knee compression wraps on my knees is going to be detrimental to my health. You know, that's just not going to be the case. If you prefer not to do these things, fine, don't do them. I could give two shits less. Move along. Okay. You know, and so, so don't be part of that cancel culture. And you definitely see it in the nutrition world. We, we talked about, um, in the past people that, you know, somebody may come into the group and say, you know, what's your favorite whey protein supplement? And then all you got to do is wait for it. It's going to happen. It's like CrossFitters and vegans. You don't have to bring it up. Trust me at some point, 
they will. Don't worry. It's coming. You're going to get the guy that comes in and says, oh, why, why are you doing whey protein? You don't need whey protein. Just eat real food. Oh, thanks for the insight, chumpy. I really needed to know that. What a fucking revelation that was. Oh, you mean real food is better than shakes? No shit, Sherlock. I already know that. It's a supplement. It's supplementing my diet. So if I'm trying to get 300 grams of protein in on a gain phase or whatever, and because of my crazy, busy, hectic lifestyle, I need to occasionally opt for a shake because of the utter convenience of it, then I choose to do that and it's going to do nothing for me but benefit me. If that's not your thing, move along seep back into the woodwork and go about your business. We don't need to hear about it. You're not impressing anybody. If you don't think shakes work for some bizarre ass reason, or if you don't think they need to be consumed, hey, here's a news flash. Don't consume them, okay? That's all you gotta do. But to come in and tell a hardworking mother of three who's kicking ass, working two jobs and gone to grad school that I've just given a you know, that I've got eating, you know, five meals a day and a particular protein requirement. And inside that busy schedule, she maybe doesn't have time at that particular moment to grill a ribeye. Then maybe having a shake might work better for her in that moment in time. Nobody's suggesting you're going to eat or drink six shakes a day. So just rather than showing that ignorance and just pissing somebody off, because that's all you're going to do, just move along if that's not for you. We don't need to hear it. And the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, I just wanted to put a period on this cancel, cancel culture. That's hard to say. Cancel culture bullshit. We've got enough of that in the political world right now. We don't need to bring it into the fitness world. But, uh, you know, and, and the, at the same time, you sort of have, you know, what I referred to earlier. You've got the zealots out there. And that happens in this world, too, because, you know, I'm currently in a contest prep. And, you know, if you've been listening, you know this. And I'm currently in uh, and it's going well. I'm currently in a game phase. So it's, you know, it's this, you know, the magical time right now because I can eat, 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 eat. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I even get tired of eating. I'm taking in, you know, 33, 3500 calories a day. You know, if I get the occasional, you know, higher carb day, it's not a big deal. Everything's going to be fine. In fact, currently in this gain phase, I'm taking in roughly 75 and on some days uh, on the upward of 100 grams of carbohydrate a day. Now, because this is, you know, ketogenic bodybuilding group, some people will just kind of wander in, discount the whole bodybuilding part. They'll discount the part where I talk about this being a hybrid protocol, combining a lot of, you know, physique competitor bodybuilding style methodology, along with a primal low carb ketogenic diet mentality. They'll dismiss that altogether and think they're just going to fly in here and tell us that, oh, ketogenic. Well, didn't you know that you can't have any more than 30 grams of carbohydrates. Your fat has to be 80 gram, you know, 80%. Your protein can only be, you know, 20% or 15%. The numbers are all over the place. Well, you know, spend 15 minutes in the group and you're going to find out you're going to get a barrage of replies, very intelligent some replies from some admins and some members that will remind you, hey, 
We're a ketogenic bodybuilding group focused on body composition and building a very elite physique that maximizes lean muscle tissue. And it's just not about, you know, dieting. We're not, we're not a group of dieting cubicle sitting secretaries, you know, eating keto cheesecake. Okay. We're not sucking down fat bombs. We're, you know, meticulously adhering to a specific set of macros that are designed to help us maximize lean, maximize lean mass and get as lean as humanly possible and bring in, uh, you know, as much fat as we need to fuel our activities and our output, depending on that particular person's unique genetics and goals. And, you know, the, the list goes on and on. We've been down that road. So you get the zealots that come in. And so, you know, <laughs> sometimes I, I don't, I, I don't even take the time to mention, oh, I'm taking in 75 to hundred grams of carbohydrates not, not right now in my gain phase. I'll do that for about two months. Everybody's going to lose their freaking mind. They're not going to let me explain myself typically. Now some do, you know, but we've got a great group of people and most of them get it. They know that we use carbohydrates as a productive tool in the toolbox to suit, to serve a particular purpose. And, you know, if you've spent any time listening to me or some of the admins in the group, you know, that we like to, you know, work carbohydrates around our training. We like to do structured refeeds and those numbers generally are different for everybody because we're all unique. And the funny thing is, is right now with me being in a gain phase, you know, we taking in anywhere from, you know, depending on the day I could be taking in 3,100 calories to 3,500 calories a day, you know, and just, you know, that could be 12 to 1300 calories from protein that could be 13 to 1500 calories from healthy fats. And that could be, you know, maybe only, you know, 300 to, you know, 400 calories from carbohydrate. But when you do the breakdown, hell, there are some days when I'm taking in 75, 80 grams of carbohydrates, it's only representing like 8% of my total nutrient intake for that day. It's still extremely low for me. And most of it is consumed around training. So it's gone by the time I do that last set. It's a structured thing. I do want to move some insulin around right now. I do want to take advantage of that, met that anabolic effect. Everything is done with a purpose. And I've been playing with this shit for years. So, you know, as much as those cancel culture people will drive you crazy, the keto zealots coming out of the woodwork can be just as bad. So let's not be those people. Let's all focus on our, the things that we agree on and, and, and our strengths. And let's not focus on, oh, it's this number or that number or that percentage or, you know, a great example is this. And I wanted to get to this anyway, because I find this extremely important. And by the way, I'm just winging this shit, by the way, I, I've, I've got like four notes and I've already gone off the notes. Um, you know, intermittent fasting. We get that a lot. I get that a lot as a coach. And oftentimes I will uh, be in the bodybuilding Facebook group and somebody will say, you know, make a reference to wanting to put on as much lean mass as possible. I want to get jacked. I want to get big. I want to get ripped or whatever. I may even want to compete. And then they go on to talk about what they're doing and they may say that they're, you know, doing time restricted feeding. They're doing intermittent fasting. I've even had people say that you use that same verbiage about getting as big as possible and as jacked as possible. And they're eating one or two meals a day. And again, if you are getting the results that you're looking for doing that and you like that, I have no problem with that. 
Fasting can be a great thing depending on your goals. There are some people out there that can't eat every two to three hours like I do. And that's another reason why I bring it up because when you download my rules of engagement, like, you know, it's been downloaded like 12,000 times now or better. I think it's far more than that now. You know, one of the things that you see in there or episode two of this podcast, I talk about, I believe in frequent feeding of nutrients. The old school eat every two to three hours and nourish the body throughout the day. If the goal is to maximize lean mass and people freak out and or often just dismiss that one. Well, okay, that's fine. And once again, if you're getting everything out of your program that your you know heart desires, then go for it. But at the same time, you know, I need to, you know, I, I need to, to bring you awareness as to why I do that and why, you know, intermittent fasting is something that I don't believe in if the goal is building that extreme stage worthy kind of physique. Okay. We talk about, you know, ketogenic bodybuilding, you know, this brand being keto for the extreme physique culture or keto for badasses. Well, you're going to have a hard time achieving that badass physique if you're doing a lot of intermittent fasting, a lot of time-restricted feeding, whatever you want to call it, or if you're doing that one meal a day thing or whatever, you're going to have a tough time and you might even have a tough time strict carnivore. I'm not against strict carnivore. I love carnivore. But even when I was doing carnivore, I always called it modified carnivore because I did still use a little bit of carbohydrate around workouts and I would still do occasional refeeds. So, you know, I'm not one of these people that's just been eating ribeyes for the last four years. You know, I truly do not believe I could maintain this particular physique uh, if I weren't doing my frequent eating protocol. So intermittent fasting doesn't fit in as far as I'm concerned. And the cool thing is what I was alluding to in the first place is, is finally, finally, uh, there are some compelling studies that have come out that support this. And, you know, I'm not a big science study guy. No, it's not, it's not to say I don't trust it, believe in it and read it. I do. I do all the time. But there are plenty of people out there on YouTube and there are plenty of podcasts, podcasts out there of people that are just reciting studies and, 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 and walking you through these long scientific controlled studies. That's just, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm the boots on the ground guy. You know, I'm the field general. You know, I'm going to take this information. I'm going to throw it out to you as simply as I possibly can. And then you and I are going to march through the fucking battlefield and do damage. That's what I, that's what I am. I'm that kind of, I'm the blue collar coach that's going to say, okay, let's strap up and let's get shit done. And this is how we do it. Okay. So that's sort of my approach, but there are some two very compelling studies that have come out recently, finally that support this. And I think I could be wrong about this. Uh, I, I think, uh, Lane Norton actually talked about the most recent of these two studies, um, in a, in a YouTube video. And I could be wrong about that. I haven't watched it, but, uh, I, I think somebody posted it in the group and, uh, made a reference that he was citing some studies that showed that intermittent fasting, you know, may not be the be all end all. And there was some great data to support that. And he's right. So let me just talk about that for a second, because the reason I do want to talk about this particular study is it does support 
my belief system and my methodology of frequent eating throughout the day if the goal is to maximize lean mass. Remember that remark, lean gains. Because when you are trying to build as much muscle as you can, like I have for years and years and years, you don't want to lose it. And when you inevitably go into a cut to shred down and reveal that muscle, you will always lose some. But the goal is to lose as little as possible. So you create scenarios in your methodology uh, that helps you maintain as much lean mass as possible. So in these studies, there's two of them. Uh, one of them was released in December 6, 2019 in the journal Reviews in Endocrine and Metabolic Disorders, uh, which was uh, a, a really cool study that, uh, that, that showed that uh, time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting uh, might result in some loss of lean mass. But the better, even more complete study was uh, recently released in September the 28th, uh, 2020, in the, um, I don't know if it's J-A-M-A or JAMA, I, I don't know, I've never heard anybody say it, I've just read it for for years, The uh, their internal medicine journal. And um, the cool thing about this particular study is they had a group of people that engaged in time-restricted feeding. I think it was a 12-week study, which is, I think, significant enough. And uh, they called it time-restricted feeding in that particular study, intermittent fasting. It's the same thing. You're just, you know, only eating in a smaller uh, window throughout the day. And I think they were doing a 16-8. I'd have to re refer back. Um, but the thing was, is they found no significant difference, difference in fat loss uh, between the group that did intermittent fasting and the group that did just more of a standard, uh, you know, diet. I don't forget what they called it, but it, you know, they were eating basically three meals a day with the option of two snacks. So the three meal a day with the option, option of two snacks people uh, versus the intermittent fasting people, 12 weeks, they consumed the same amount of calories. That's important. So it wasn't necessarily that one was taking in less calories. They're taking in roughly the same amount of calories, but there was no significant change in, in uh, weight loss between the two groups. Here's the thing that I'm going to bring up. I'm not going to bring up everything in the study. I'm going to bring you what I think is important that supports my ideology is that the intermittent fasting group lost significantly more lean mass than the people that were eating three to five meals a day. Significantly more, and I believe it was 65%. Now, when you go into a cut, when you go into a caloric deficit, which is what you have to do to get lean, you, uh, you know, you're going to always lose some lean tissue. It's inevitable. But usually, you know, if you're doing everything right, if you're getting an adequate protein, if you're training hard, all these things, if you can go through a long cut and get really freaking ripped and shredded, if you can get away with only losing about 20% uh, of that weight loss comes from lean mass, then you're doing really good. That, that's about par or ideal, uh, you're gonna lose some. So to try, so the goal is to try to keep it at about 20%. So I think 20 to 30% is the norm. So it's inevitable that you're gonna use, lose some. You just have to deal with that shit, okay? But if I told you that if I take you into a caloric deficit, 
and I have you eating every two, three hours or every three, five hours, whatever. And I'm giving you, you know, adequate protein intake to help preserve lean mass. Then your risk of losing any of that hard earned lean mass that you put on is significantly less than if you were trying to get cut doing intermittent fasting, which route would you choose? Exactly. So, you know, sometimes people wonder, why does, you know, why does he believe in this old school, you know, bodybuilding, you know, eight every two to three hours kind of a thing? Because I always want to retain positive nitrogen balance. I want to do everything in my power to retain lean mass. I want to make sure that I'm getting adequate protein into my body and amino acids into my body, you know, frequently throughout the day. The other problem with time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting to me is this. And once again, um, some people like intermittent fasting because it's one of the only ways that they can adhere to that caloric deficit. And if that's the case, that's great. I'm not, you know, I'm not poo-pooing intermittent fasting. If it works for you, great. If it is according to the goals that you have set for yourself, if that works for you, then I say you run with that. You know, I totally support, you know, your decision to do intermittent fasting. But for me, and for many of you out there that do have enough discipline to maintain your specific, you know, uh, prescription of macros that you've been given or that you've determined, you're going to do better in terms of reducing lean mass loss uh, by doing a more frequent eating window. And the other thing is, as, as I was getting to, if you're doing one of these one or two meal a day things, if you're one of these people, once again, if it works for you, fine. But understand this, think about it. I've got clients, you know, men, hell, I've got some women that are, you know, in the high 200 gram, uh, grams of protein per day. It's gonna be, you know, if you're doing two meals a day and you're taking in 275 grams of protein a day as the goal, you're going to divide 275 grams of protein up by two meals. That's not going to work well for you. Okay. Because what we do know through data and research is depending on how much lean mass you have, how big you are, anywhere between that 40 to 70 grams is about all that's maximizing, you know, protein intake for that meal. Okay. Um, I'm, I don't believe, and I think the data supports it, that taking in, you know, 150 grams of protein, you know, or, or, or 200 grams of protein in a meal, or if you're doing one meal a day, trying to cram 275, 300 grams of protein in, in that one meal, I think there's going to be a lot left on the table and you're, and you're wasting some. And, you know, the data again supports that. So I definitely would not want to do it that way. You know, I'd want to make sure that I'm getting an adequate stream of protein uh, and energy driving, you know, healthy fats throughout the day broken up. And that's going to help me retain as much lean mass as possible. It's going to minimize lean mass loss, which is critical. And uh, that's actually going to play into one of the questions that I'm going to answer today, too. So, you know, that's the goal. So this is why I don't do intermittent fasting. Now, if my goal was just to be a lean guy and healthy and just, you know, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm an insurance salesman or, or whatever. And I just want to be I want to lose weight. You know, I want to be a, a size 30 waist and, you know, just be healthy and have good blood markers and blah, blah, blah. And if I can get there by doing intermittent fasting, fine. 
But if my goal is to maximize lean muscle, to have that more extreme muscular physique that I could then even cut down and present in a competition or, you know, just, just the way that I want to look, you know, and I'm fairly convinced my wife is pretty set on that as well, then, uh, you know, that is the path that's going to get me there and it's going to help me maintain that. So intermittent fasting for what we advocate in ketogenic bodybuilding, that's going to be a pass for me. Uh, so you may want to consider, you know, working into more frequent eating, but if intermittent fasting, if, if that, if that's just, you know, if that's the shit for you and that's working great for you, carry on. And I'm not here to disrupt your stuff. Okay. So that's all I wanted to say about that. So now I do want to, uh, answer some questions. Okay. So we've talked about the cancel culture. We've talked about some keto zealotry. We've talked about intermittent fasting. So these are just some things that I, over the last couple of weeks, when I was trying to get prepared for, you know, retooling of the podcast and the YouTube and episode eight and all this stuff, I thought oh, that's something I need to get off my chest or that's something I need to talk about. So there you go. Hopefully it was entertaining to some degree. So I do want to get to some questions though. Uh, these particular questions were given to me off of the ketogenic bodybuilding Facebook group. We put up a thread to ask questions for episode eight. And here's a few of, of what we got. We got a bunch. I picked a few. I don't want to take this too long today. I'm going to make sure all this shit even works. <laughs> so, and I hope I don't have to do too much editing to make this all not look like complete and utter, utter dog shit. So um, to the questions, you know, number one, the first question I, I think is a very serious question. And I, I wanted to address it first. And I wanted to give it the most importance. And uh, let me take a little drink of water before I do that. Okay, excuse me. Uh, the first question is, who in the hell do they think they're fooling by calling them rice cakes? I get it. I've had cake. You've had cake. Rice cakes are not cake. Rice cakes are like styrofoam cooler lids. And they're actually, in my mind, just a transport mechanism for peanut butter, right? So, you know, where the hell do they get off calling them rice cakes? I never really thought about it until this question was posed. And, but I can say this, and I thought about this long and hard. Yes, rice cakes are not cake. Rice cakes in any fucking universe are not cake. However, if you're three weeks out from a competition and you've been dieting for 12 to 14 weeks, a rice cake can taste like absolute pure orgasmic heaven about two to three weeks out. I promise you on this, even a plain ass white, you know, nothing on it. Rice cake can be just a little freaking chunk of joy. Okay. Just that little bit of crunch and your palate is so starved for flavor and fun and excitement and enjoyment at that particular stage of a cut that yes, dear listeners, even a rice cake is something to be savored and enjoyed. And if you can smear a little bit of, you know, almond butter on it, even better. And I will even use them as a transport mechanism for scrambled eggs, but that that's another conversation. But yes, I do get what you're saying 
That's complete and utter bullshit to call a rice cake cake. You should call it a rice disc, maybe. Um, or just call it styrofoam, edible styrofoam. I don't care. You know, let's, we can discuss that. But yeah, cake, no. It's not cake. However, pretty much anything two weeks out is that you can actually chew or crunch is going to be just a little chunk of heaven. So wanted to get that out of the way first. Okay, next question. Is it the surplus of protein intake that is adding the muscle uh, is it the, or is it the surplus of calories altogether? Um, or is it a combination of other things that you, I guess what he's saying is, is, you know, in a gain phase to put on muscle, is it just total caloric surplus? Is it the surplus of protein in and of itself? Or is it a combination? It's definitely a combination. If you're trying to maximize lean mass, if you're going into a gain phase, as I often call it, yes, you're going to need to be in a caloric surplus. Now, I'm going to talk about a keto zealot that I've stumbled across, and it's going to relate to one of the next questions. I'm going to have a little bit of fun with that. But uh, as much as you're going to hear from some of the keto gurus out there where it's all insulin, it's all insulin, it's all insulin, it's all insulin. Yeah, insulin plays a role for sure. Absolutely. Hormones play a role for sure. But let me go ahead and tell you once again, let me just beat this drum one more time. Calories matter. They matter. They're going to try to tell you that they don't, but they do. And here's the main reason I, I think that they're going to try to convince you of this, because everybody is trying to find, they're trying to put their spin on their version, their dietary program or their dietary version. So they're going to try to tell you that calories don't matter. And in regard to this particular question, calories absolutely do matter. In order for you to build and maintain lean mass, you have to have enough usable energy and you have need to have a resource of calories to build and maintain lean tissue. You got to you got to have the machinery in the factory to build the shit. OK, you definitely do. And it's protein that is the primary builder of that muscle. So you not only do you need to be in a caloric surplus, but you also need to be heavy on the protein. And uh, so, yes, it's a combination of the two. Jack your protein. It's your dominant nutrient. Fat is just according to your unique energy needs. And that fat in a gain phase does help you achieve that caloric surplus. One of the reasons why I use MCT oil, because, you know, if I'm struggling to reach my caloric surplus for the day, having that uh, 140 calories of MCT oil, which is uh, that I know is just going to go into the mitochondria of my muscle and help me as another, you know, high potent uh, fuel source. I'm all over that all day long. So, yeah, it is about protein. It is about calories. And don't believe the bullshit when people say calories in, calories out doesn't matter. It absolutely still does. Okay, so I hope that answers that question. And then back to more keto zealotry. When they try to tell you that calories don't matter, um, they're just trying to, to spin this in a way and be very arbitrary to try to trick you into thinking that 
so much more goes into it than just going into a caloric deficit. Now, a caloric deficit is required to lose weight. Absolutely. And some other things do factor into that. Absolutely, they do. Insulin does play a role. But if you're not getting into a caloric deficit first, you're not going to lose weight. If you're not going into a caloric surplus first, you're not going to build muscle. These are absolutely required for either one of those two goals to be achieved. Okay, so remember that first. So when the keto gurus out there are telling you this, they're trying to convince you to buy something from them. Now, let me be clear. We are all trying to sell you something. However, think about what is being sold. We all gotta make a living. We all gotta pay the bills. I got kids to feed and I had to buy this shit and you know, I, I live a life and pay the electric bill and the mortgage, feed my family. But here's the thing, if I was selling you a powder or a potion or a book, not that there's anything wrong with that, and I may sell an ebook or a book down the road to just try to help get the message out more. But here's the thing about that is, I, I don't want to have uh, an interaction with my customer base that is just, you buy this, you go away, I never see you again. The path that I chose is, you listen to me, you put some faith and trust in me, you hire me, I coach you, I help you get results. Now, if I set you up on a nutrition plan or a training plan, and you're not achieving some level of results from that, what are you going to do? you're going to fire me, <laughs> you know, and you should if you're not getting results, you know, provided you've given it ample time and you've trusted the process and you've complied and all these things, you know, so I'm kind of on the hook here. If I'm not providing you with truth to the very best that I know it and believe it in my heart and soul, then if, if I don't trust that process with every fiber of my being and, you know, then how are you going to get results? If you're not getting results, you're going to do, you know, you're going to do three months with me and you're going to say this didn't work. I'm done. And I couldn't blame you. Okay. So, you know, what I'm selling is knowledge and information based on experience and working with data in the trenches over the years. So you got to be careful of the keto gurus out there or the fitness gurus or the, or the training gurus out there that are just trying to sell you an arbitrary product and then you have no interaction with that particular person after the fact. So just be wary because fitness is at last time I checked like a $70 billion a year industry. And the thing about fitness is of those $70 billion that are being spent and invested every year. The, the, you know, 98% of the people that are investing in this pro in these products and potions and pills and gadgets fail to get the results that they were looking for. But then year after year, they go back and they reinvest often into the same type of thing. So the problem with that is psychologically, unfortunately, most people blame themselves rather than blaming the technology that they applied, or, you know, it could be a combination of the two. So you know, find something that makes the most rash, rational, logical approach from somebody who seems to have truly tested it, both on themselves and others, and then give them a fair shot, which is another reason why everything I do is month to month. You know, if you got somebody that's only going to sell you something, you know, that's you got to commit to a year of it, back away from that, unless there's some fucking legend, you know, then okay, I get it. 
But, you know, I never want anybody to feel committed uh, with me investing their money in something that they don't believe in. You should always be able to make a choice and a decision to do what you want to do at any given point. So that's a sort of digress there, went off on a little rant. But, uh, you know, be careful who you choose to invest in because oftentimes, you know, they're just trying to (laughs) sell you some snake oil and not MCT oil. Um, Okay, so next question. Does training with intensity mean lifting to failure or does it also mean having shorter rest recovery periods between sets? Are you supposed to be fully recovered between sets so you can maximize your next set? Okay, you're never gonna be fully recovered between sets. You're only gonna be fully recovered between sets if you go home for two days and rest that muscle group, okay? So what I do is for me, the intensity is what I'm putting into that current set, which means I'm going to take at least the last set that I do of an exercise to total failure. And some sets I take beyond into maybe some forced reps or some heavy negatives. I might begin the set with a pre-exhaustion movement. It could be a super set, but that's my level of intensity. Pushing my muscles to the point of momentary concentric failure and then sometimes even beyond. Now between sets, shit man, I may rest one minute, I may rest seven minutes. It's whenever I feel mentally and physically prepared to go give it my all again. And it, it's, it varies so much. Um, you know, there are some workouts where I do two all out 100% plus sets to total absolute agonizing to the death failure. There are some times I will do one set of 70% of my max, then I'll do another set of 80% of my max. And then on the third set, I'll go to 100 and then maybe beyond with a forced rep or something. So it does vary from the workout. It's not like every single workout I do, I'm doing five supersets or every exercise is a 100 rep rest pause set. It's not like that at all. I may do one rest pause set of workout or I may do none. You know, I vary it throughout my training cycle. So I'm always mixing it up and keeping it intense and keeping it varied. This is program design. This is what coaches do. So, but I also want to make sure that I'm maximizing my recovery. I'm doubling down on that shit because until that muscle has not only compensated, but overcompensated from the stress that you're applying to it, will you maximize the level of growth that you're looking for? So that's what that means to me. Okay. Um, Okay. Next up. Can I really put on mass on keto? Let's see. Then he says, uh, I'm consuming 4,000 calories. I feel good. The body looks full, but I feel small (laughs) and strength is declined, but I'm not looking so much for strength. Okay. Well, dude, if you feel small, just keep training hard. I mean, if you just said your body's looking good, you're feeling full, which means the muscles are full, which means you're, you know, you're adequately feeding them. And, you know, obviously with 4,000 calories a day, provided the protein is high enough and you're choosing good nutrient dense foods, you know, yes, you can definitely build muscle on keto. It's, it's, if you're in a caloric surplus and you're getting adequate protein and you're getting energy from healthy fats, or if you're sprinkling, you know, uh, you know, fast absorbing carbohydrates around workouts and you're getting some insulin secretion, you're doing those refeeds. Yes, absolutely. 100% you can build muscle on keto. Okay. So that question is a, 
is a lead into something else that I wanted to have a little bit of fun today. And then we'll wrap things up because I think I've already went on too long. But can you build muscle on keto? Okay. I talked about some of the keto gurus out there, the keto zealots out there, and you got to be careful who you listen to. And, you know, even me, I mean, just look at everything through a rational, logical lens, you know, ask questions, whatever. You know, if, if something smells funny, means it's, you know, probably going bad. So you might want to walk away from it. Um, there is a, and I don't, I let me preface this by saying I don't like to pick on people and I don't like to name names. I, I truly don't. Uh, even people in the industry I admire, I typically just don't bring it up, you know, there, uh, unless it directly applies to something I'm doing, but there is a, we'll call him a keto guru, self-proclaimed keto guru out there. His name is Dr. Berg, B-E-R-G. And uh, you know what, though? Dr. Berg seems like a really, really nice guy. He, he seems like this gentle soul on his YouTube channels. I'm sure he'd just be lovely to hang out and drink a beer with. Um, but Dr. Berg, I've watched a couple of videos, and some of them are pretty cringeworthy with some of the things he's spewing out there that he's really kind of twisted and manipulated and... You know, he's one of these guys that thinks calories don't matter and he thinks it's all about insulin and it's all about hormones, da, 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 da. But here's the thing, you know, I'm not gonna, there are plenty of people out there that'll pick that apart. That's not my job, that's no, not what I do. I'm about building extreme physiques, okay? So Dr. Berg, he crept into my wheelhouse a little bit and that's where I gotta pump the brakes and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is one I gotta address, okay? So Dr. Berg who I guarantee you, he he's probably never been inside of a gym before, I'm guessing, but if he has, he certainly didn't lift any weights. He's the guy on the treadmill at Planet Fitness because the guy looks like he weighs about 155 pounds soaking wet and hasn't lifted a thing in his life. But if that's what Dr. Berg chooses to do, that's great, you know? We don't all dress alike, whatever. But don't go on YouTube and do a lengthy video with your whiteboard and call that video how to build muscle on keto. Because what he did was this. Number one is he is telling people to, that you can build muscle, adequate muscle on, by incorporating a lot of intermittent fasting. And he's also, didn't we talk about that? I think we talked about that. He's also advocating building muscle on one or two meals a day. I think we talked about that. Did we not talk about that? He's not a big protein proponent. You know, he talks, you know, if, he'd be very, very happy if you took in 20 to 25% of your macros allotment from protein only. I think we've talked about that. But here's where he crossed the line with me. He throws up this big freaking picture of my favorite bodybuilder of all time, six-time Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates, the first mass monster, the guy known for unbelievable intensity in the gym, the guy that you know most people couldn't even hang with through 10 minutes of a workout, let alone an entire workout. You know, this guy kind of raised the bar on high intensity brutality in the gym. And you're going to reference Dorian Yates, Dr. Berg, 
and talk about building muscle, well, number one, let me go ahead and tell you something that you may not have thought through. Dorian Yates is was nearly 300 pounds in the offseason and competed anywhere from the 240s to the 270s on stage, if I'm not mistaken. And Dorian Yates was definitely not eating one or two meals a day. Dorian Yates was not only consuming 20% of his macros from protein. Dorian Yates was probably eating 5,000 calories of fucking chicken and rice every day. More carbohydrates, so many carbohydrates, it would probably terrify you and, and, and push you into the fetal position crying under the bed, okay? So for God's sake, not only are there a thousand holes in your theory about muscle building muscle on keto, and if the majority of my viewers and my listeners were to listen to that, they would not build anything even close to the vision in their head of what they wanted to achieve. So for God's sake, for the love of Pete, you don't reference an IFBB pro mass monster, Mr. Olympia bodybuilder in the same conversation where you're telling me that calories don't matter, that I can build muscle on 20% protein, intermittent fasting, and one to two meals a day. Please don't rip apart people's intelligence because that's where I gotta draw the line. So, you know, that yes, you can build muscle on keto if you do a hybrid. And we've talked about this so many times, you should know it like the back of your hand. High protein, moderate fat to meet your energy requirements and to help with, you know, hormonal balance. Carbohydrates are a useful tool that you use around your workouts to help fuel activity and muscle, muscular contractions to help with the, uh, the generation of some insulin response. You have structured refeeds one day a week. Hell, there are some people that will do two refeeds a week. It really truly depends on the person. I got some guys that can do six, 700 grams of carbohydrate on a Sunday after depleting all week and still doing targeted carbs around their workouts and they're lean, mean, muscular and jacked and definitely not overweight and they don't look like Dr. Berg. Okay. So once again, the moral of this story is to kind of, you know, take a few steps back here is be careful who you listen to before a guy who, uh, for a chiropractor who is a self-proclaimed keto guru who probably weighs about 160 pounds soaking freaking wet to come on and tell me to, to, to imply that you can look like a Mr. Olympia by only eating two meals a day and fasting because of the growth hormone surge that you're going to get from this. Well, number one, endogenous growth hormone secretion that you get from intermittent fasting is negligible at best and not going to make a big difference in putting on lean mass because that's not really what growth hormone does anyway, okay? So he's misleading you there as well. So just to recap, if your goal is to build that elite muscular physique, to be ripped, jacked, lean, shredded, separated, peeled with these 3D muscles, 
I would back away from the one meal a day, the 25% protein and, you know, <laughs> and to, to, to try to like marry that philosophy in the same conversation with a legend you know, Mr. Olympia bodybuilder is absolute insanity to me. So please, for the love of God, you might want to take that one down because that one just makes you look a little silly, brother. Okay. Just a word of advice. I mean, you know, who am I, but that's just what I would say. So, okay. One more question. And this actually wasn't a question. It was a request. And it was from one of our beautiful female members who would, who she requested a tell-all from Nancy. Who's Nancy? Nancy's my wife. She's actually on one of the YouTube videos. We kind of did a little getaway at the beach for Valentine's Day. It's very sweet. It's a very sweet story. We cooked. We shopped. It was lovely. But uh, they want a tell-all from Nancy. And I get that because I've brought her up many times. And I think the reason they want that is because, you know, I've gone on record by saying that my wife of 25 years is one of the most supportive bodybuilding prep wives of all time. I mean, this woman tolerates my horseshit, not just during our typical month, but even through a 12 week freaking brutal cut and all the bullshit that goes with it. And not only that, you know, she's the type that without me saying a word will go by, you know, five pounds of or more of freaking the exact ratio of lean ground beef that I want and bring that shit home and separate it and weigh it into 12 to 14 ounce servings. She'll shrink wrap that shit into these little, you know, bags and divide it up and put it into the freezer and label everything with Sharpie markers. Yeah, that's what she does. This is the same woman that was pulling out a fucking potato in the elevator of a competition that I was doing because I needed to start carving up and I didn't even know what planet I was on. So she's whipping out freaking baked potatoes from her purse and basically just hand feeding them to me in the elevator. And uh, as she was pushing me around, you know, the, the registration and weigh in area, because I didn't know where the hell I was at that point. I was so damn depleted. So um, uh, there are a lot of people out there that talk about, you know, you know, you, you got to have that support that, that, that maybe they don't have that support from a significant other um, they don't have that support from a spouse, or maybe there's somebody out there that wants to lend that support, but doesn't, doesn't understand what it looks like. So maybe having her on here to tell a few tales from the battlefield might be interesting. It's probably just going to make me look like an idiot because she knows me better than anybody. And, you know, only God knows what she's going to say, but, uh, you know, but you know, the planets are going to have to align for that to happen. And she's probably going to need a, a new outfit and probably need to get her hair done. You know, all that stuff goes, but, uh, she likes to be in the background, but I don't think it would take too much prodding to maybe get her on here. So I'm going to look into that and see if I can make that happen. So I hope that might be something that you guys might like to enjoy. And very, very lastly, this question, how long does calorie restriction eating plan usually last? How long does a cut last? And I'm saving that for episode nine, where we're going to talk about expectation versus reality of getting results. We live in a quick fix culture. We get live in a culture where everybody wants it tomorrow. 
overnight in 30 days and 60 days. Yeah, I have had people after only working with me for 30 or 60 days wonder why they're not ready to stand on stage and compete with the Miss Bikini Olympia. So, but fair enough, maybe it is good to maybe break down that there are so many variables and so many factors and there's so much more involved and patience is a virtue and we're gonna kind of break that down a little bit. So I'm gonna save that element of that question for next week when we talk about expectations versus reality in uh, in terms of you getting the results that you set out to get. So fair enough. See, that sets me up for next week. So at least you know there's going to be a number nine. So, But uh, I'm going to leave it there because I think I've gone on long enough and Lord God knows how long it's going to take to edit all this crap. So um, once again, if you like any of this, please hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on one of the major podcast formats, if they've got a subscribe button, if they've got a follow button, or if they give you the ability to review, I'd truly appreciate if you do that. It goes a long way in getting us out there and letting those algorithms work and that it would suggest our podcast or our YouTube channel to other like-minded people watching similar channels out there that we may get exposed to. So it would really, really help us. Uh, you know, this, we do all this stuff for free. So a little help would go a long way. So thank you for all your support. This was fun. We'll be back next week for episode nine, but until then train your ass off, eat a big freaking steak, get lots of rest and above all, have a great day. Bye guys.